quick PSA for our listeners who are U.S. citizens. The 2020 election season is now upon us, and it is so important that you make your voice be heard. Please go to www.vote.org to find out all voting information you might need, and be sure to vote early. Again, that website is www.vote.org. Plan your vote and enjoy the show. Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Vedics Assemble! Vedic Smart. Vedic Jackala. And I'm Vedic Collinson, and we are the Vedic Assembly. being a Vedic, you guys. Second only to the Kai. Mm. I thought I was second to the Kai. No, as, as the Vedic Assembly is second to the Kai. Oh, okay. All of us are second to the oh, Kai. Well, I'm like one and a half to the Kai. Oh, oh all right. Be that way. Fancy. I mean, if the Kai is Vedic Baral, I mean... <laughs> Then you're definitely like no point two five to the Kai. Oh yeah, I was reading through the memory alpha page about some Bajoran thing, whether it was the history or whatever, and there was a picture of just Vedic Barile with no top on, and it just says, I think it says something stupid in the caption like a male Bajoran. It's like Bajoran okay. male torso. Yeah, is that what it was? I'm swear it said torso or something. Yeah. I'm- I've I've got the the um, memory alpha page up now, and it just says, "But a Bajoran male torso." <laughs> and I was at work, and I'm just like, "I hope nobody sees what I'm looking at right now." That is so weird. So, how are you both doing today, my fellow Vedics? Vedic Jacqueline. <laughs> do you do you want the real answer or the polite answer? <laughs> We don't need to be polite. No, it's uh, it's been a, a long and difficult week, but I am grateful to be here with the both of you mm-hmm. doing one of my favorite things in the world, which is talking about Deep Space Nine. Hey. Paldor Joy. Paldor Joy. <laughs> How are you, Liam? I'm very grateful for this festival that we are going through right now. Peldor Joy, my child. Peldor Joy. I'm so sorry because this, I'm laughing so hard because this reminds me of people bearing their testimonies in the LDS church. (laughs) Wait, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) The first Sunday of every month, uh, LDS members have what they call a fast and testimony meeting where they do they fast for the day except they don't really fast for the day but uh, and they and they give money as fast offerings to 
go into the church's coffers, which they assume is going to be used to help people in need, but isn't necessarily going to go to that, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, and then they have a, a long uh, meeting that's usually, well, they, they've shortened it now because church used to be three hours, now it's two hours and so that meeting has been shortened to about an hour where people just, if the spirit takes them, can get up and go to the pulpit and talk to people about their vacations and how that relates to how they believe this church is true. Okay. Powder joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I still have my cough, just FYI. That's fine. It's sexy. Mm-hmm. But yes, I am well. That's good. I'm just doing way too many things all at once, but I am well. So thank you for I asking. I know that feeling. What about you, Vedic Collinson? You have pretty much officially got yourself a new title. I have, yeah. So um, <laughs> far earlier than I was expecting, um, between the last recording and now, I got my PhD results back. Uh, and I got a pass with minor amendments so that just means that i have to make a few very small changes uh, which mostly amount to just typographical uh changes and grammatical things uh and resubmit that and then that's it it's done um and i will be given a date for a graduation ceremony i have no idea yet if that if that will be an (laughs) in-person ceremony or over zoom or whatever but i think as long as I can um, somehow hire the regalia and uh, do some photos, that will be fine. That's what I want to do. Well, let's hope you get one. I didn't yeah, get one for my degree at all. Oh. <laughs> it was like, here's an email. You graduated. Congrats. Hooray. Please play your $77 sanction for printing costs before <sighs> we give you your degree. And it's like, oh, okay. <sighs> Still haven't paid my $77 sanction, so I technically haven't graduated. No! No matter that it costs like 36000 for the degree, whatever. Mm. Let, let's, let's do a GoFundMe to raise you $77 Australian dollars for <laughs> your printing fee. I didn't, I didn't even print anything. <laughs> oh, I don't even have a computer. They won't even give me a computer. Hmm. That's anyway. not very nice. No. Anyway, what are we talking about today? All right. Well, I'm really excited about this one. Um, so we're here today to do our first kind of cultural analysis, I guess, looking at the Bajorans. So I guess we'll be talking about Bajoran culture, society, obviously the Bajoran religion, uh, their history, kind of a bit of everything. I know I have a few notes on like parallels to real world people groups and and uh pieces of history as well so yeah let's let's see where we go how did we come up with the bajorans it was a serious decision we literally asked the the random number generator (laughs) yeah we we basically just listed all of the possibilities that we could choose from and then I had Siri pick a number between, what was it, one and eight? Mm-hmm. And uh, it came up Bajoran, so. Mm-hmm. See? Good old Siri. Yep. Oh, I really want Kai Wynn voice to be Siri. 
<laughs> oh, can you imagine Kai win as Siri? <laughs> there really should be more options, but it would be very difficult to program a specific voice like that for Siri. Well, I mean, like all my lights and everything are run through the HomePod. So, like, mm-hmm. I'll just shout, like, hey, Siri, and it will do all the lights, etc. Shut up, Siri. Uh, it will do all the lights, etc. I can just imagine it's like, okay, my child. Or just something awful coming out of the HomePod. May the prophets be with you. <laughs> you know, I just think Kai Winners a Siri would be amazing. Somebody get on uh, that. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Reckon Louise Fletcher needs any money? Well, it's not. it's not just about doing a voice because... The thing is, is that Siri can do so much and could have to pronounce so many different words that programming an actual human voice to do that is next to impossible at you this time. You have to, I think it's like a phonetic recording or something. Because I heard someone say once mm-hmm. that uh, Major Barrett's voice had been recorded phonetically. Like, I guess just making all the sounds that you would need to program a, a Siri voice, but... I don't actually know what goes into it after that. It's probably still, like, an intense amount of programming. Your Siri could go off like Banji and just go, My child! My child! My child! (laughs) 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 He keeps sending off your Siri. I want to know how many of our listeners' Siri we have set off just by having this conversation. Mm, Brandy sets my Siri off when she's on the unready room. Well, we haven't had to use Siri in that regard for quite a few weeks, so. <laughs> hey Siri, play Despacito. Yeah, well, no one's going to do that because, uh, you know, I'm on earphones, so my Siri can't hear you. Well, I'm waiting, you know, to, to see if that um Hey that Siri, play else Baby off. Shark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it, okay? Playing Baby Shark. No, <laughs> stop. Desist. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here and listen to Baby Shark. All right. Well, um, where do we want to start with this? Jump history. I got I got Liam's history corner. Sure. Good idea. All right. So I thought we could start with like a very mini history lesson on the Bajorans. So yes. Liam, <sighs> give us a history lesson. So. In my very quick read of Memory Alpha, whilst at work, not doing work, because I had nothing to do, they supposedly started flourishing on Bajor about half a million years ago, so well and truly before humans started plonking their feet around on Earth. Um, And of course, like all good Star Trek aliens, they liked their science and their arts and, you know, no unhappiness, probably. And then about 30,000 years ago... Uh, some aliens visited that were non-corporeal outside linear time and they decided that, well, the Bajorans decided that they were the prophets and they started worshipping them. And what they showed them, uh, so I guess through some experiences, etc., that we know that the prophets or wormhole aliens can do, those showings sort of became like their scriptures and their, um, what's the word for it? Prophecies, I guess, is probably the best word for it. <clears throat> So then some orbs started appearing about 10,000 years ago, which are like sort of hourglass energy crystal kind of things, I guess. And I don't really think we ever find out what exactly they are, but they're Mm. sort of like tears of the prophets, I guess, is what the Bajorans call them. But 
they call them like the orb of the emissary, orb of wisdom, orb of contemplation, time, and then there's prophecy and change as well. So like people who ex- can experience an orb experience, I guess undergo some like dope hallucinations or something like that. Um, but then things carried on. Everything was happy. They went faster than light about 400 years in the future. No, 400 years in the past, our time, like 1600s or something like that. And then the Cardassians came to occupy them and ravage their planet and mm. create labor camps and are big jerks. And then we get to the now. And then we get Shax on Lower Decks. <laughs> yeah. Who just wants to destroy everything. He likes cats. Apparently. <laughs> and that's. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Um, and that's very my brief history lesson on Bajorans. I don't really know what happened between 500,000 years ago and 30,000 years ago. That's and, and that's okay. Fair. We we don't really know what happened to our species in that time either. So um I do recall in a TNG episode they hadn't quite got the name of the planet down and called it Bajora. Mm. Yeah. So <clears throat> one with Ray Laren in it or something. Yeah. So that was weird. And then it became Bajor, which is fine. I still don't like how some people are like Bajor and Bajor, like with a zh sound in it. So like there is no zhazh or zhuzh in that planet. Okay. I, I you know, hadn't really thought know. about it. No, it bugs <laughs> me. But anyway. Yeah, I figure uh, however Kira says it is how it is. That's how, what, what I'll go with. Kira. Kira is the boss of all the Bajorans. Yeah. I was about to call them Klingons then. <laughs> 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 well, I'm sure she could boss around a lot of Klingons as well. Mm-hmm. Ridges on the wrong part of the face. Mm, that's okay, though. Mm. So Bajorans tend to look like humans. Basically, except they have those ridges, they have a different gestational period. Morning sickness is not a thing, it's morning sneezes. Oh <laughs> no. Um, and yeah, realistically, they're just humans with nose ridges. <laughs> Their gestational period is only five months because mm-hmm. they have a bigger vascular system, oh, which okay. actually makes premature birth an impossibility and so you can't really remove a Bajoran child from the womb early because you could kill the mother mm. because of the blood loss so fair yeah. enough but that's why thought... it's a, a, a smaller gestation period I just can't go. get the term super womb out of my head super I like it. I like it. <laughs> so yeah, Bajorans. Well, that was good. So it's their brief history. What do we want to look at first? Like I came up with some notes that are a bit more specific about various things, but I feel like there's probably a little bit more overview to go through first. Well, do you want to focus on the storyline as it appeared in That's a good Star idea. Trek? That's a good idea. Because, you know, we've talked about when they started developing technology and Mm. stuff like that. And uh, because they became spacefaring, that was how they ran into the Cardassians. 
and they uh, had been taken over by a military dictatorship, and the Bajorans didn't really know what they were getting into. Mm. So the Cardassians are like, oh, they've got a lot of stuff that we can use, so let's go take over this planet, which is how we got... uh, we got Tarek Nor up there because that's basically a mining facility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why it was there. And they were enslaved and uh, used for mining and various other things and treated horribly. And a lot of people were live- forced to live in refugee camps. Mm. And uh, others, of course, started a resistance movement like you do. And started, you know, committing what the Cardassians would call terrorist attacks. But one Cardassian's terrorist is a Bajoran's freedom fighter. So it's all mm-hmm. about semantics. And, of course, the Federation couldn't do anything about it because of the Prime Directive. Mm. And so the Bajorans, I think that's why they're so kind of towards... Uh, the Federation suddenly plopping in a Starfleet officer at deep and on Tarek Nor and calling it Deep Space Nine, and so oh now you're here to help now that it's all over thanks bunches, and I I get I get that fe- I understand that feeling, and at sorry go ahead, I mean that's one of the problems with the Prime Directive I guess I mean there's yeah. there's there's something that's clearly clearly terrible going on but they won't interfere because of the prime directive. Mm. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. So but not only that they had before they knew what the Cardassians were truly like they kind of aligned themselves with them and that's how they got taken over. Is they're just like, "Oh, hi friends. Hey, we're from Bajor." Come on mm-hmm. over. Yeah. <laughs> and the Cardassians are like, oh, this place is a gold mine, almost literally. Mm. <laughs> we can use so much of this. So, yeah, I I get both sides of the story. Because the the thing with any governing body is you can't get involved in everybody else's business because then mm. you can't attend to your own. So... Well, yeah, just, exactly. Especially if you're a federation of spanning across a huge amount of the quadrant, yeah. can't can't fix all the injustices, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you can do your best to help people fix their own injustices, but that doesn't mean you can yeah. always intervene. And of course, I feel yeah. like there is a bit of a a parallel with you know the Bajorans basically wanting someone to send military force in to take care of the Cardassians and. That's not what the Federation was going to do. Yeah. Ever. So I think that they're very upset about that as well. So there's yeah. there's some bad feelings there and it kind of it kind of reminds me like the Bajorans are not reflective of any specific group of people on this planet, but can be used as mm. a cipher for any oppressed group. Yeah. And I would we agree with that. Yeah. Have had a lot of them. And the the writers and producers have since stated, yeah, we weren't thinking of a specific group of people. I mean, you could compare these to uh, Palestinians or people from Iraq or people in Syria or, mm. you know, they're Jewish. all these. 
yeah, Jewish, Jewish, especially. And the correlation with this whole thing with the Bajorans wanting, you know, a great big federation to come in with the military is very much how uh, Jewish people are said to have rejected Jesus because he wasn't the warrior that they wanted him to be. They were told they were going to get a warrior who was going to basically fight their way out of the oppression for them. And what they got was this uh, hippie that hang, hung around with fishermen and harlots and lepers and dying people. And just like, yeah, just make love, not war, guys. And that's not what they wanted. So, mm. you know, if you even believe any of this stuff. So that that's that was the whole I, thing yeah, for that. I hadn't heard uh, like that part of the of the story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the whole reason why all they talk about is the Old Testament, because to them, their savior has not come. Mm. Oh, yeah. So their emissary, mm. their emissary hasn't come. So yeah. oh, that's interesting. I do like the idea of the of, of seeing these parallels in the Bajorans, because I see that definitely, especially um in terms of Palestine as like a place that has been occupied for such a long amount of time, you know, in, in that, you know, Bajor was occupied by the Cardassians for, I think around 40 or 50 years. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. One of the things that I love the most about the portrayal of the Bajorans is how many different factions and groups there are within them. You know, it's really, really not like, so many other races in Star Trek that are just these kind of monolithic single cultures. You know, we have people like Kira who were, you know, a very hardened resistance fighter, but have since kind of mellowed and started working with the like official Bajoran provisional government and liaising with Starfleet and stuff like that, even occasionally working with the Cardassians post-war. But then on the other hand, you still have, um, you know, groups like uh, the Circle and like the very, very hardline militarist groups and very isolationist. And I really like that they went so far into portraying that because that is something that you see very much in any, um, you know, real world uh, oppressed culture. There are always going to be many different factions within them who all think that they have the right solution to you know fighting off um their oppression you know winning their own liberation some will try to do it through diplomacy others through violence and even terrorist acts so it was it's really interesting seeing i guess almost how accurately that is portrayed um in the bajorans yeah well they they started I mean, they, for several, however many centuries, were a caste mm. system. And so when the occupation happened, caste ceased to be a thing. Because now it was like, okay, we have to all work towards the goal of freeing ourselves. And yes, they may have split into different factions as to how to get that done. But Kira was not originally in that type of caste. She was not in any kind of military or peacekeeping caste. She was in an artisan mm. caste. She was yeah. born into that, but none of that means anything anymore. When... The whole concept of the Dajara really yeah. frustrated me when watching that episode. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, seriously, you've got the guy, the poet guy, Ak Ak 
Acarim, Ankarim, uh, come back. And he's like, no, no, I am the emissary. We need to in- reinstall our Dajaras. Mm. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I've got absolutely no skill as an artist, but that's what Kira's Dajara said. Mm-hmm. And then killing that guy, or the Vedic killing that guy because of his Dajaras basically said that, I'm assuming it was like a mortician or something. Um, it, it was appalling. And yeah. I, I'm sort of very glad that that's something that's not necessarily happening on Earth in terms of you can be, you can only be what your Dajara says it can be, although we do have absolutely terrible things in terms yeah. of race. And there certainly are yeah. societies in the real world that have caste systems like that. You know, they, they didn't make that up out of whole cloth. Like it was based on... On, on these kind oh, of no. things. I, I do, yeah. again, that really goes into the kind of shades of grey of the portrayal of the Bajorans, you know, and seeing that they, there would be perhaps this kind of sense of conservatism of wanting to go back to how things were before the occupation. Um, and you would have, you know, some people um, not recognising the, negatives of the time before then you know the things that their society has thrown off like a caste system um that they don't need to bring back but then of course you would have many others wanting to have a more kind of progressive view to you know a liberated future and reinstating the good things from their past but taking it as an opportunity to forget the things that that or not forgetting but like leaving behind things like a caste system that they don't need anymore yeah i mean in that in that very scene where akoram's talking about bringing back the tajaras going back to your point about what you said about the bajorans were never portrayed as a monolithic culture you can tell just in that scene where some are like yeah yeah this Mm. makes sense and some are like no no, this is bad, and that's like the progressive and the conservatism um, divide, and it's it's completely different to the things that we see of Romulans and yeah. Klingons, and even Cardassians to a degree. So yeah. it, it it goes to show that they're one of the most fully fleshed out alien cultures within Star Trek. They are. There are still pieces of information missing, like in their religious practices yeah. and whatnot. But oh, yeah. as as far as as them as a people and as a with their governing body, yeah, there's always going to be that person that's make Bajor great again. There's mm. always going to be somebody like that, and they're going to remind people of oh how good it was back then. Yeah, it was only good for those few people. All the people in the lower castes, it was not good for them. But they don't mm-hmm. ever think about that or care about that and they just want to do what is to most to their own benefit. So, yeah. Now you're making me think of a Bajoran Donald Trump. No. We've already had a case on one. No, we've already I know, we've already dealt with that, but I'm pretty sure that uh no, I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> okay, so, well, I don't know. I think that it might be good to talk a little bit about what we know about the Bajoran faith and their spirituality, because that is such a big aspect of their culture. Uh, and it's even like, you know, we, we see this in the first in episode in Emissary, which we already touched on a bit, where Kira basically says that the one thing that unites all the people of Bajor is their faith. Because aside from that, there are so many different political ideologies, you know, 
more progressives, more conservatives than that, but they all seem to be united under the umbrella of the one faith. Because she says that that, that people will listen to the Kai. Mostly, yeah. Because mm. we find out later that there are those few renegades who worship the Pa Wraiths and have uh, embraced them as the true prophets mm. and try to recruit people to their beliefs, yeah. but they are a small group. So almost everyone is united under one faith. I mean, it's, it's interesting that it is... Pr- pretty much always shown as as one faith you know which is i guess somewhere where the real world parallel doesn't fit as much because you know a few of the um the groups we've mentioned so far also have quite a strong religious identity but in the real world this is you know so divided as well you have so many different interpretations of the same text the same scripture so it's kind of interesting that they didn't really go down that route quite as much when portraying the Bajorans. There were still obviously like political mm-hmm. factions, you know, within the Vedic's assembly and and the different religious figures. But it seemed to come down to a lot more to personal motiv- motivation rather than, you know, different interpretations of the Bajoran scripture. That is true. That is true. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah. You don't really see anybody debating those those tenets mm. that you just what everybody agrees on. Do you think that it's it's more because the prophets or the wormhole aliens or the prophets to them are more present in a way, like because of the orbs, there's like physical artifacts that are producing those visions, and especially now because of knowing where the celestial temple mm. is. Do you think that's because there are more presence than, say, any of the gods that are worshipped on Earth? That's possible, um, but it doesn't really get thrown into high gear until Deep Mm. Space Nine starts because they don't even know about the wormhole. But they still have the they still have they have the the orbs, um, yeah. But they don't have all of them because the Cardassians took like what eight of them to study. Enough of them, yeah. Yeah, colonialism, jerks. And they still hadn't returned them at the beginning of the series. The Bajoran religion is one of the most fascinating things I think in Deep Space Nine. It's what I consider to be the most interesting part of the first and second season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then especially rounding out season seven as well with uh, the Par Wraiths. To have a show in the '90s that is got a very, or that has got a very strong religious base in a science fiction show as well, yeah, is quite different compared to a lot of it, like a lot of what we see even now. So, I mean, The Expanse has no religion in it, really. There, it's interesting to see even how it differs from previous Star Trek because you had even in Next Generation, more often than not, kind of it was portrayed as like religion was a thing for civilization to evolve beyond to one degree or another so it was really nice to see that they actually paid respect to the Bajoran religion like I think in the hands of the prophets is um one of the better episodes you know especially in season one but I would like it's one of my favorites of the whole series yeah just because you have it it shows and it is very clearly an allegory for the debate of like teaching religion in schools you know and and the conflict between creationism and science classes but it presents the facts and it shows that you know keiko is right to be teaching her her school children you know the scientific facts of the matter and how the wormhole works 
But the episode never comes down on the side of saying that the Bajorans are wrong in their beliefs or in their spirituality. And I think it's just an incredibly progressive stance for that episode to take, to actually come out and say that, that, that these things can coexist together. Yeah, they can. Another interesting point of the Bajoran faith is that, you know, it all centers around your pa, which we might call the spirit. Yeah. And if your paw is tainted, then you are forever cast away from the celestial temple and unable to dwell with the prophets. And I can't even begin to tell you how Mormon that sounds, you guys. <laughs> I was just thinking that, yeah. <laughs> so Mormon. <laughs> because the whole thing is about getting to the celestial kingdom and oh, wow. and we have mm. we have temples on earth and only the very pure can go into those temples where they perform bizarre masonic ceremonies that no one they think no one knows about but we, we do and uh, yeah cuz there there have been enough, enough ex mormons who are like okay here's what happens you guys <laughs> so but, uh, but yeah, that that whole thing is just super Mormon. Wow, I wonder if that was an active influence when they were when they were writing this. I don't know because a lot of people find the LDS religion just you know all they focus on is you wear weird underwear and you can't have sex before marriage and you can't drink and you can't smoke and you can't drink coffee and you're just weird. And that's about as far as it goes. Nobody really mm. examines what Mormons believe. And Mormons don't even know what they believe. Because when you really get into the whole story of God and the creation and the star Kolob, which is the nearest star to where God lives and all of this stuff. And most Mormons have no clue that any of that exists. And yet it is part of their faith. <laughs> so... I forgot about the Kolob thing, but now I just remember. Isn't that part of the genesis of the lore behind Battlestar Galactica? Oh, that was totally created by a Mormon guy. I don't. I'm yeah. surprised you don't know that. <laughs> no, I had heard that. I just yeah, it's it's good to have it confirmed. Yeah the the Council of the Twelve. Oh, that's that's the group of advisors to the prophet of the church. So, yeah, Council of the Twelve, and then the head of the council is the prophet. And, of course, they changed it uh, from Kolob to Kobol. And, uh, but there, there are a lot of Mormon things in there. The whole when Serena and Apollo get married in that first episode. Well, first, it's like a double episode. They released it as a movie in theaters originally. And mm. uh, they're married for time and all eternity, which is... Another thing that Mormons believe and, you know, just a lot of Mormon stuff up in there. Hmm. You've lost me. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I Unfortunately, I have like really low spiritual awareness, I guess. <laughs> it's fine because honestly, I was, I was raised in that faith and it never felt right to me. It always just... Hmm. And it, it it wields guilt as a weapon a lot of the time, which I do not care for. Yeah, which is unacceptable. Yeah. Now, I guess the setup of the Bajoran religion, like the whole Vedics mm -hmm. and Kai, that's 
going to be quite similar to a lot of religions of on earth as well i mean the one that brings to my mind mm-hmm. is obviously the pope and yeah. the clergy yeah. agree i don't know much about any other religion to be able to say definitively because i'm not as i say i got out of re very early on now when it when it comes to uh the kai and the vedic assembly there is really no other uh allegory in real life other than the catholic religion and the pope mm. And the cardinals. So that's that's pretty much what that is based on, because there really isn't anything else like that within uh, okay. religions yeah. on this planet. This might be a little bit more in terms of aesthetic rather than anything in kind of anything deeper than that. But there's, I feel a few parallels between the Bajoran faith in general and um, various forms of Islam as well. Mm. But again, I think that is possibly just the way it is, you know, the the costuming that they give them and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they, it was probably just an attempt on the part of, you know, American TV producers to make something that looked a little bit exotic to the majority Western audience. True that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an amalgam of many things. And without being completely representative of any one thing so that's what makes it unique is that it's really it might incorporate some things that are familiar and yet it is not a direct ripoff of anything that we have yeah which is what makes it work as well Mm -hmm. absolutely because i think that means that people who are religious can see a little bit of their faith in the bajoran faith and i think that's the whole point and for people who aren't religious like myself i mean it's it can actually be a a very good like growth experience to see mm. a positive portrayal of such a heavily spiritual culture. Mm-hmm. I agree. We don't have enough of that. Yeah, and that's that's very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, because you know when you institutionalize an idea, it can go wrong, and on this planet, very often does. So mm. it's nice to see that an entire planet almost all of them with a very small percentage of what you might call apostates uh, are united under this faith. And that's impressive. Mm. Yeah. That's what got them through the occupation is what Mm -hmm. a lot of Bajorans say. So it's a very, very strong belief and they each have their own belief within themselves that and their own power that they can get through some really bad times. Indeed. Yeah. It's interesting that, again, that there is that with, you know, the Kai and the Vedics, there's that uh, parallel with Catholicism, because I think there brings up another strong sort of real world parallel is with uh, the Troubles in Northern Ireland, Mm. which, you know, was just very much like so many parallels of, you know, these different groups, like, you know, the IRA using very violent terrorist tactics to try and get the British out to, you know, as they saw it, win the freedom of their people. And for so many people, and I know there's only a little bit because um, Moya's mum grew up in Belfast, you know, living through the Troubles. Uh, She even wrote a book about it called Titanic Town, which I should probably read at some point. So for so many people living through that, their faith was the binding identity which is why that for a lot of people there, even though some of us from the outside see Catholicism as a very like conservative religion, which I mean it is, but it's interesting that for a lot of uh, Irish people, it is also kind of synonymous with that sense of rebellion and and 
like your own identity and freedom of of their people Mm. yeah i can see that actually catholicism isn't nearly as restrictive as as the lds religion is (laughs) (laughs) i'm starting to starting to see that Mm. yeah because catholic people could still drink and have coffee (laughs) and smoke the one thing they can't do is use birth control but they do anyway because it's sensible so, Can we talk about the Kai? Yeah, yes, let's definitely. talk about the Kai. Now, what was quite exciting for me with Deep Space Nine is that it also politicised the mm. religion. Yes. In terms of having to get a new Kai and how manipulative uh, Win Adami is to try and become Kai, mm. even though she's effectively, I think, third favourite or something in the season one to actually become Kai, but she's full on out there to try and manipulate the emissary and Bedic Baral mm-hmm. and the Bajoran faith to be able to be in control. And it's no secret to anyone who listens to this podcast and who listens to anything that I say that I absolutely love Kai Win. <laughs> I think that's one of my favourite aspects about the Bajoran religion is just to see how Kai Win manipulates it and to also shows how people can use religion to manipulate what they want out of it. Yeah. Yes, we see that every day in Republicans. I'm sorry. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. So the Bajoran, the Bajoran faith shows the good and the bad yeah. of religion across the whole of the show, but it still somehow, somehow shows how comforting it can be mm. as well for people. Yep. Yeah. I, I do not judge or blame anyone who finds comfort and peace in religion. It just isn't my thing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I can I can still be spiritual without being religious. So they're not necessarily the same thing. It's just mm. I don't want if there if there is a God out there, I do not need to be told how to connect with that being. I can figure it out on my own. And why should I believe anyone else? If I'm going to have a connection with a God, it is going to be my connection. So yeah. just saying. And that, and that's how I think it needs to be. You shouldn't be able to tell people what they can, can't believe, what they can, can't mm-hmm. do. I mean, obviously, you can't kill people. Yeah. That's well, that's just nice. that's just basic but... <laughs> morals and ethics, you know, yeah. which which would yeah. exist without religion. So, but mm-hmm. uh... but you can't go and tell people that you know what. Or you can't go around and kill people because you know, oh, they're a different version of the same religion. <sighs> Which really shits mm. me off. And to be honest, I'm not going to lie here. I don't understand it. I don't either. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not... I honestly haven't read enough into the differences between Sunni and Shiite, for example. Yeah. Or the differences between Lutheran, Presbyterian, and all of that. Like, I just don't know. And maybe that makes me a bit unqualified to talk about this kind of thing, but at the same time, as an outsider, I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, the the differences in interpretations of, of religion and faith are much more of kind of a starting point, and it becomes much more about ethnic identity, rights to land nationalism nationalism is a big part of it there's so many different things that are just it's almost like it is portrayed through the lens of people's faith because again in in the way that 
Kai Win does, I mean, and and so many uh, certain religious leaders do this in real life, they will, I think we see this most of all in a lot of um, uh, the more extreme terrorist organizations. If you look at, you know, ISIS and things like that, is these are groups that are, have leaders who are after control of certain areas of land, resources, and just a general sense of nationalism. And in order to try and bind people to their cause, they try to find that common ground of the exact insane interpretation of, of uh, religion. So yeah, it all comes down to the, the, the politics around it and everything else that surrounds it, which they almost disguise as a shared religion. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. But I Star Trek has actually covered this in two different series. In the original series, you know, these ridiculous mm. differences were shown as very black and white, literally, in the episode Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, where we have these two aliens from the same planet fighting each other only because one person has black on the left side of their face and white on the right side, and the other one has white on the left side of their face mm. and black on the other side. And because of that, they try to kill each other. And they tr are causing a lot of mayhem on the Enterprise. The Enterprise takes them back to their home planet, which has destroyed itself because of this stupid mm. stupid difference between the two and they basically almost completely rip off that episode in uh, star trek enterprise as well where the enterprise is actually carrying some people to this uh, sort of holy communion whatever and they're upset with this other group of people who are also on board who are of the same faith but they believe that this uh, particular uh, mm. the genesis of their religion happened over the space of X amount of days and yeah. these guys believe it happened in this amount of days and because that they're trying to kill each other and again the viewer and the Enterprise crew are just staring at them like what is wrong with you this is the mm -hmm. dumbest thing to fight over. Oh, yeah. So it's it's been covered more than once in Star Trek, but it doesn't make any more sense as to why they do it. And I think that's why they do it is because it doesn't make sense. It's dumb. It is it isn't effective. All it does is destroy life and destroy mm. your religion mm. and possibly your planet. Why would you do this? It's a very ineffective way to get your opinion mm -hmm. across. Very much so. You don't think like I do, so I kill you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then there's nobody left. Yep. Happens for everything, doesn't it? And it's ridiculous. It, is. it makes no sense. It's so dumb. It is so dumb. An eye for an eye mm -hmm. until everyone is blind. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. All right. <laughs> Way to break it Where down, go Brandy. Good job. <laughs> No, it's good. I mean, I I no, always wanted, uh, our, you know, whenever we talked about the Majorans, for for it to relate to this sort of stuff because I think that's that's kind of the intent almost of their portrayal as of such a complex mm -hmm. relationship between you know faith and kind of conservatism and 
the you know the fight for freedom and national identity and all all these different things that are going on in the real world and are all kind of intertwined mm-hmm. yeah sorry what else yeah anything else that you guys particularly want to talk about i think there are a couple more things that i'm interested in covering well let's go with what you're interested in and just take it from there well i think something that i am really interested in is uh, so many of the different aspects of the aftermath of the Cardassian occupation where we have sort of these two kind of new groups of people coming out of it being people like um Zial who are have now have mixed heritage of Cardassian and Bajoran but are predominantly the children of Cardassian military officers with the these comfort women who were for lack of any you know nicer term were sex slaves to these Cardassian military masters and also you have the Cardassian war orphans as they're um portrayed um in the episode Cardassians which I watched a little while ago who are you know full-blood Cardassians the children of usually military families but who for whatever reason were left behind when the Cardassians pulled out and now are just there being raised by Bajoran families among the Bajoran population and much like the character who we are introduced to um of Regal um have just basically grown up surrounded by self-loathing because they Mm. are raised to hate other Cardassians while at the same time are hated by the Bajoran people around them for themselves being Cardassian. So I don't know. I feel like there is, there could potentially still be a lot to explore in the future of these kind of, these new groups of people that could in themselves become new like a cultural identities in their own right given another sort of 30 40 years yeah i i feel bad for all of those war orphans i also feel bad for the children of the comfort women and yeah they those women were sex slaves People may say, oh, well, you were a collaborator. Not one of those women wanted to have Mm. sex with a Cardassian. They were raped. Mm. They were raped every time. But, you know, what choice did they have? Really, what choice did they have? They didn't have a choice. No matter how you look at it, they didn't have a choice. Mm. So, you know, I don't don't blame any of them. I just... It's really difficult when you have been oppressed by someone for so long that anyone who looks the same as that species is going to trigger you into thinking that you're mm. facing an enemy. And that is that is something that becomes really a reflex and you can train yourself out of that but you have to be conscious of it and you have to want to train yourself out of that and Bajorans aren't quite there yet and that's understandable because honestly 
when we start Deep Space Nine, they're still pretty much in the infancy of yeah. their freedom. And so it... Was only two yeah. weeks. So it's going to take some time for them to be able to not judge people by their appearance, by the content of their character instead. So, yeah. But that's just... That's so confusing to put a child through mm. something like that. So, um, to the Cardassians again, I say, fuck you guys, you're terrible. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I can add to that. Randy's face. <laughs> do we need do we need the do we need Mm-mm. the jingle? I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm I'm gonna have to have a copy of that jingle though soon for you know, give it to mm. definitely give it to Suzanne because it's gonna come in handy. Did you, have you listened yeah. to it? Again? Oh yeah, I listened to it. That's how I knew about it. Yeah, I laughed so hard because <laughs> I remember you saying you, or I can't remember if it was you or Chris saying you, uh, <laughs> Brandy. Let me know when you listen to it. I was like, oh okay, okay. There's something fun in here to listen out for, and I was not disappointed. Yeah, well, see, and that's the funny thing is because Chris says to me, hey, do you listen to your podcast episodes after they come out? And I said, yeah, I may not do it the minute that they come out, but I do listen to them just to hear the finished product. And he's like, yeah, OK, thanks. I'm like, <laughs> that was weird. And then my attention was diverted <laughs> elsewhere and I didn't think about it again. I listened on Friday morning, which was a bad idea to listen to that while I was doing my makeup because (laughs) we got to the visitor and I was like, I'm destroying my work as I'm doing it. Why did I do this now? Oh, no. So. In part of the bit where you were talking about black men in prison, I I silenced all of mine and Nick's like agreeing sounds. And left the gaps in it because I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna leave this exactly yeah, that's good. as it is, isn't? Because it was a it, it was a powerful sort of monologue from Brandy. Well, I'm very passionate yeah. about this particular subject, and things need to change, mm-hmm. and they will change one way or the other. And uh, one day. yeah, it's hopefully in the future. Yeah. yeah, very, very near future. But... It's it's been going on for a couple centuries, and there is, there's no excuse for this anymore. There never was an excuse for this. So, mm-hmm. anyway, thank you. What else is on our Bajoran list? I think it might be cool to just quickly talk about like what we think the future could hold for the Bajorans now. You know, like. After the end of, you know, the last episode of Deep Space Nine, we're kind of left in this sense where Bajor is joining the Federation and they have their own sort of stable government now. It'd be interesting to see where that goes in the future. You know, how does it stay that stable or, you know, and how is it affected by all the other things that we now know happen 20 years on, you know, that give us the, the setting of Star Trek Picard? After what you guys were talking about, you know, um, the the Cardassian war orphans and the mixed race Cardassian and Bajoran children, and Brandy saying that it's, it's difficult to see the to see the face of someone who's been your enemy for so long to be able to then see them as not your enemy. 
I feel like it will take a long time, even though there's been, like, you know, Vedic Baral and Kaiwin organising that treaty with Cardassia, it will take a long time internally for Bajor and Cardassia to be able to get on, especially with Cardassia being so, I guess, mm. destroyed by the Dominion mm. or what the Jem'Hadar and the Dominion did to Cardassia Prime. I mean, we hear Cardassia Prime in Lower Decks. It's just such a shame we didn't get to go there. <laughs> no one wants to go there. It's creepy. She learned the dance and everything. I know, man. Like, so it would be it'd be interesting to see. I I can only see Bajor being a hub, kind of like mm. Heathrow Airport, mm. you know, of the Alpha Quadrant, because well, maybe not. Heathrow's a bad idea. <laughs> LAX, Bajor LAX. There you go, there that works. Go. Yeah, so Bajor is the LAX of the Alpha Quadrant because they've got, obviously they've got Deep Space Nine sitting there guarding the wormhole, but at the same time they're in probably one of the most strategic and most important areas of the Alpha yeah. Quadrant now given the stable wormhole. So whilst they're joining the Federation, they could see potentially a rapid rise in importance and commerce and... I guess national identity. I guess, and you know, hopefully their religion stays on and stays strong, even with the whole mm. par rafe debacle. Mm. And, the, and my favourite thing to say at the moment: the costumo. <laughs> <laughs> say it one more time. Costumogen. I was explaining to Jordan about the costumogen. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, oh, wait, you don't know that yet. I'm going to shut up now. And he's just, he looked at me. And I'm like, yep, yep, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think Bajor will thrive. Yeah, I, I think they will too. The weird thing is, no matter what planet you're on, no matter what kind of culture, religious beliefs you have, there are periods of mm. ebb and flow, so to speak, where you have a period of great prosperity and then you don't the only constant in the universe is change and so things are never going to stay the same and that's that's just normal evolution that was actually the evolution of the human race to get to that star trek future is we almost completely destroyed ourselves which is really the most likely Mm. scenario for getting to that star trek future (laughs) so and but like like many cultures we we would put aside it i mean if that happened i would hope that we would embrace what was left of humanity put aside our differences and work together to survive and to build something better that is my hope judging by what the human race is like right now i'm not sure Mm. that would happen but Again, the only constant is change, so it's possible. We could just blow ourselves mm. up. Well, that's kind of what happened in that Star Trek future, because yeah. World War Three mm. is what happens. Yeah, I'm mm. adamant that's going to happen. I don't know that it'll happen the way that we think. Just saying. Mm. No. We'll see. Australia will come out ruler of there the world. There you go. I, I would just want to live on the Falcon Islands with all the sheep. That would be nice. The Falklands. <laughs> I need it for strategic sheep purposes. That's why the British didn't want to give it back. They needed it first. Have you uh, got a bit of a thing for sheep? <laughs> I really <brand>? don't. <laughs> I'm allergic to wool. 
He's like, I love you so much. I'm dying, stroking yeah, they're you. They're so, they're nah. so cute when they've been shorn. You know, I can I can handle a shorn sheep, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I would go to the yeah. Fair. I mm, oh. that's fair. Eventually, whenever international travel is a thing again, I want to go to the Faroe Islands. They look amazing. Mm-hmm. And Antarctica, That'd be pretty I'd cool. Love to go there. One of my uncles went on a trip to Antarctica, and he said it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm jealous, and I'm going to do it one day, and that is that. If you find something frozen in the snow, don't thaw it out. Uh, yeah, just just leave it where where it is, where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Just leave it, leave it frozen. Are you talking about Borg? No, I'm talking about the thing. Actually, the thing. <laughs> oh, wasn't that oh in the that thing? Yeah, yeah. The oh. Thing. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. No, leave it in there. That's fine. I'm not. I'm not silly. I don't make Jane way decisions. Mm, very good. Very good. Plug. Mm-hmm. Liam doesn't do things ah. the Jane way. Yes. All right. Is there anything else that we wanted to cover? Does anyone have a favorite Bajoran? I know that Liam does. Who's my favorite Bajoran, Brandy? Kai Win. Oh yeah. <laughs> How did you know that? I feel like this has been a deep, dark secret of mine that's just coming out. You know? I'm very intuitive. Liam, are you? but are you mm. sure it's not a Bajoran male torso from the uh, Memory <laughs> Alpha entry? <laughs> oh, I mean, I do have another favourite Bajoran, and he's like the Bajoran boy from Voyager. So, mm. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Just, just give me... Oh, I'm just a hornbag, okay? <laughs> <sighs> That's fair. Give me a well-endowed Bajoran and I'm fine. Liam, have you read any of the Star Trek Titan novels? No. There's a bit in one of those books where it describes other places where Bajoran men have ridges. <laughs> oh, no! no. <laughs> rib for her pleasure. <laughs> his, own, his own personal rib condom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember who it was who wrote that one in particular. I can't remember which. Which? Well, there's a problem. It, it will be like a saw. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the ridges wouldn't be that hard, for heaven's sake. Oh, oh gosh. Oh. Oh, um. Please move on. <laughs> well, I mean, my... I think my favourite Bajoran character is probably still Major Kira, although I think Commander Shax from Lower Decks is definitely, like, rising in the ratings because he is very fun. Please let me shoot the warp car! I have been Wait. very good this week! <laughs> yeah, I laughed at that very much. Yes, yeah. And he's he's fun. Mm. He's, uh, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. We don't actually see many Bajorans elsewhere, do we? You've got Ro Laren mm-hmm. in TNG, and it's then just the, that random Bajoran boy in Voyager. No, got... there's also Ensign Cito. Cito Jaxa. Cito Jaxa yeah. in Voyager as well. Who? Cito Jaxa. Oh, isn't she in... Oh, sorry. not Yeah, the, yeah in, in the episode Lower Decks. Yes, sorry. Yeah. I don't know why I said Voyager. Yeah. 
Events. <laughs> I was gonna say, and I'm like, oh god, what am I missing? Out? There, well, there are a few Bajorans in Voyager, aren't there? Because there would be a lot of Bajorans in the Marquis. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we had fake Seska, Bajoran. Well, obviously, Seska. yeah. Yeah, but, but the, there's gotta off be off the top of my head. I can't think of any Bajorans. I cannot remember the name of the episode, but there is that one Voyager episode where the Doctor is trying to solve a medical mystery, and he creates the holographic representation of this Cardassian doctor and then it turns out he was Chromos Set, is it? Basically the Cardassian uh, Mangler, Mm -hmm. because a Bajoran crew member sees him and is horrified because this is the guy who did all of these horrible experiments on Bajorans and that's how he did the research that where he came up with this medical theory that the doctor is using him for. Yes, and the doctor, that doctor actually showed up in person in the second uh, set of post-Voyager novels, which were called Spirit oh. Walk. They they basically did it in two small novels instead of just making one book and made you wait X amount of months for the conclusion, mm-hmm. which is really very anno- very annoying and honestly not well written but uh, too much female objectification and they were written by a woman which just really was just it was just gross all uh, we constantly got to read the thoughts of the men looking at pretty women and it's just like oh for god's sake haven't we evolved past this Mm. so yeah but uh yeah that uh that cardassian doctor is uh is in that (sighs) Oh yeah. wow! I was right. The name's Krell my mm-hmm. set, and it was in an episode that I choose to forget for particular reasons because I just don't get that lizard bug thing on Balana. Mm. That's fair. Oh. That's yeah. It's nothing human. Speaking of the like post series novels, like there's one so far. My favorite Star Trek book is Enigma Tales by Una mm. McCormick, which focuses much more on uh, Cardassia and like the rebuilding of Cardassia after. The Dominion War, but there's a really interesting thing that they have in that uh, that uh, that she wrote in, which was people who are again have who are to all extents and purposes uh, outwardly appear Cardassian, but have uh, sort of you know a quarter or so Bajoran heritage uh, and practice the Bajoran faith. Mm. Uh, and she even describes, you know, a few um, Cardassians like walking around the campus of the University of the Union wearing like Bajoran earrings and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, so I, that would be a really interesting thing to see if it were ever portrayed on screen in, you know, future seasons of Picard or anything else we get in that era of any little bit of like cultural cross pollination between maybe there would be the younger generation of Bajorans and Cardassians who didn't live through the occupation and the war and sort of start to see more commonality than differences. Yeah, that would be interesting. They could even do something like that in Discovery because that's way far in the future now. So. Yeah, I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. That trailer was so good. There's a cat. <laughs> I know, right? Grunge yeah. the cat. And it's huge. Yes, that is an 18-pound main coon. Yeah. <laughs> I love that there's going to be a cat. That's a huge yeah. cat. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, for the record, my favorite Bajoran is Major Kira. Later Colonel Kira. And if you go with some of the books, uh, Vedic Kira, not Vedic Kira, Kaiwik Kira someday. So, yeah. Nice. 
Who did you say yours was, Nick? Also Kira, but maybe Commander Shax from Lower Decks. <laughs> Brandy, is it confusing that it seems like the official abbreviation for Lower Decks yes. is LDS? Yes, it confuses it confuses <laughs> me greatly because I have been seeing that as an abbreviation for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for 47 years of my life, and it is difficult to undo that conditioning. <laughs> Which is why I have never personally referred to it as LDS. No, I don't think I have either. Well, back on track. So we've had... Final thoughts. Final thoughts, final remarks. I guess my final thought is that Bajorans are probably one of the most fleshed out alien species that we see based on just learning a lot about their religion. We need to know more. We don't know everything about them. It just speaks to the ability of the Deep Space Nine writers to be able to create an alien species like this and shows what the show is all about. Yeah, completely agree. Um, They're so well-written compared to the kind of more one-note writing of other species that they had now and then. I mean, Deep Space Nine did this pretty well. Like, I think eventually we need we should talk about the, the Ferengi as well and their evolution from nah, humans <laughs> to, like, some of the really cool stuff we get with Quark, Rom, and Nog. Um, but yeah, like, I since kind of re-watching DS9 more recently and getting ready to do this podcast, I've really really found um that i enjoy the portrayal of the bajorans like i seen i see a lot of parallels with um obviously with real world groups and a lot of cases in uh, causes that i personally really support and are passionate about like uh palestine and kurdistan these sorts of things just any any oppressed group trying to to win their own freedom uh national identity or just kind of uh it's not even necessarily about nationalism it's just about recognition as as a people so to see that portrayed so well in star trek is just i think is a real testament to the good writing of this series yeah there isn't a whole lot more i can say that you two haven't already (laughs) said but yeah, I feel like the Bajorans are just really fleshed out and we haven't really had that, I think, with a specific race for a long time since the Vulcans, really. Mm. So, and even then we still didn't get very fleshed out until we had the context of Star Trek Enterprise when it came to the Vulcans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I... With the little bit that we got from TNG, it spawned this whole new species to learn about, interact with, well, not personally, but watch them interact with others. And it's just very real. It just seems real. You know, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel hollow. It doesn't feel unfinished. You know, I like you said, there's things that we don't know about religious practices and whatnot but i don't have to know everything i just feel like they are a well-rounded well-portrayed well-written species of of aliens and i just appreciate that and i think it's great to have the show centered on them so much considering uh what little we've seen of them in the past paldor joy (laughs) paldor joy paldor joy 
So thank you for listening to this episode of the Vedic Assembly. Before we close, Nick and I record on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, respectively. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. You can keep up to date with our episode releases on Twitter at Vedic Assembly, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Vedic Assembly. Please also join us in our listeners community called The Nexus. Just search for The Nexus on Facebook and you'll be able to find it. There you'll be able to find all of our other shows on the Holosuite Media Network. You can find Liam on Twitter at LS74656 and on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast. You can find Nick on Twitter at PunkZoologist and on Instagram at PunkRockZoologist and you can find Brandy on this network host, 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 fuck! See, it's not so easy, is it? (laughs) No, it's not. And you can find Brandy on this network hosting Boldly Go, our Strange New Worlds podcast, What the Future Holds, our Star Trek Discovery podcast. And then she's also on Twitter at BrandyWine12. Brandy with an I, 12 is a number. The Vedic Assembly is proudly part of the Holosuite Media Network. Vedic Disassemble. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. Google Clippy Microsoft Word. It was a little paperclip, like animated paperclip that would pop up when you were using Microsoft Word and it was like a little helper. And there are going to be more comments on it in this episode, too, so we'll get to those. Right. You kind of have to be older like us to get that. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. And Nick goes on, but before he does, I want to just congratulate him on being a doctor now. Congratulations, Dr. Nick. Woohoo! Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. But then again, senior officer meeting, why is Harry Kim in there? He's an ensign. Because he is the senior ops bridge person. I don't know. Yeah, but that's what doesn't make sense to me. If he's like the senior ops person, does that mean everyone below him is just a crewman? He's a crewman. <laughs> because he can't boss even Lieutenant Junior grades around. Oh my gosh. So their ops department is just a mess because it's just crewmen. Oh, it's a mess also. That explains a lot. Yeah, actually, it does, doesn't it? Loading Holosuite Preview Program for StarPod Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future.
And remember that Gene Roddenberry wrote the novel for the motion picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, about the search for God and everything, that part of and it. And there's a lot of details in that novel that didn't make it to the picture that actually opens up the scope of the Star Trek universe even more so. I mean, it's a great it, read. Yeah, he put, he put other stuff in it. And, but, you know, but, I, but Scotty being a drunk, I don't know why he, like, why wouldn't know, Scotty just yeah, continue yeah. to be an engineer and, you know, be a proud worker and Starfleet officer? Computer, deactivate Holosuite.